Max Lucado tells a story about a friend who went away with his family for a vacation to Walt Disney World. And they came back and uh, his friend called him on the phone. He said, I need to tell you about what happened while we were away. He said, I saw something that I will never forget. Their family was in the magic kingdom and they'd made their way to the centerpiece of the kingdom. And you know what that is, Cinderella's castle. And that's where they were. The castle was filled with parents and children who were just glad to be there and excited. And they were all kind of scattered around inside the castle. And then something happened and all of a sudden there was this stir that went through the crowd. And everybody went rushing over to one side of the castle. They all were making their way into one spot. In fact, his friend said, if we'd been on a boat, it would have capsized because everybody was in one spot. You can imagine what had happened. Cinderella had entered the room. She'd come in through one of the side doors, and there she was with her beautiful gown and her flawless makeup, a beautiful young lady. And all of the kids were rushing to be as close to Cinderella as they could get. They all wanted to speak to her. They all wanted to touch her. They all wanted to be around Cinderella. Everybody went except for one little boy who stayed on the other side of the castle. It wasn't that he didn't want to go. It was that he wasn't able to go. Seven or eight years old, his friend said, Max, I don't know what had happened, but this young boy was struggling with all kinds of disfigurements. Couldn't walk straight, couldn't act straight, just struggled to get along. It was just impossible for him to make his way across to where everybody else was. And he said, besides that, I, I don't think this little boy liked being in a crowd of other kids because he said whatever his condition was, it had also affected his face. And he said his face was just different. And you could tell that other kids were a little bit afraid of him. And the truth be told, he was afraid of them too. So he stood back in the corner and he just watched as all the other kids rushed to Cinderella. Max's friend said to him, I was just thinking to myself, if only she would notice this little boy. If only she would notice he's there. And guess what? She did. And so she greeted the kids who were gathered all around her and crowded in. And she made sure and spoke to each one. But when she was done, she made her way across the castle. And she walked over to where that little boy was. And she spoke to him. And then she knelt down so that she was face to face with him. And she had a private conversation with this little boy. And then as she began to stand to make her way out of the castle again, she bent over and she kissed him on the forehead. And then she walked away. Max's friend said, I will never forget what that was like. Now, I don't know how that little boy would describe what he was feeling as Cinderella made time just for him. But I think I would call it 
joy. The joy of being singled out and spoken to kindly and shown great love. Beyond happiness, more than excitement, far beyond pleasure, joy. How long has it been since you've heard somebody use that term, joy? How long since you've heard someone describe something they've experienced and said, it was a great joy for me? I'm not sure what you might say, but I think I might say this. You know, the last time I remember hearing that term was probably last Christmas when we were singing joy to the world again. And then we put that word back on the shelf and we haven't touched it anymore. It's just not a word you hear on an everyday basis. But there it is in Psalm 16. David praised the Lord and said, In your presence is fullness of joy. When C.S. Lewis wrote a book about how he was transformed from a second generation atheist to a follower of Christ, he called his book, Surprised by Joy. And he also said, that joy is the surest sign of the presence of Christ. And as we have been walking through the Psalms this summer, and as we come to Psalm 16, we recognize that's the quality that the Bible says should be present in the lives of people who know and follow Jesus. Just the presence of real, absolute, unmistakable joy. So I want you to walk with me through Psalm 16 a little bit this morning. And let's discover exactly what the Lord is talking about. Because one thing is true. Joy is unique. There's no other experience like it. A lot of times people lump joy in with a lot of other expressions that people are used to experiencing. We think of joy in the same way we think of happiness or pleasure or excitement or fulfillment. But the Bible says joy is so much more than that. Joy is so much deeper than the idea of happiness. It doesn't depend upon circumstances. It's not uh, dependent upon your feelings. In fact, joy may come in some of the most difficult seasons of your life the truth is you may find that there are times in your life when you experience heartache and joy all at the same time and it makes things like pleasure seem so weak in comparison the joy you find in the Bible is a personal response to the presence of the Lord. When the Bible talks about this feeling, this emotion, this experience of joy, it is almost always in context with my relationship with God. Very seldom will it say that two people greeted one another and they met together with joy. Instead, it seems to be something that when I had an encounter with God, when God reached into my life, when God performed a miracle, when God changed me forever, I experienced something and the only way I know to describe it is the joy that comes from knowing I'm in the presence of God. David declared, O oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Now, what is that? That is the testimony of a heart that is filled with the realization of who God is and where God is 
and how God is actively at work all around me. If I were going to translate what David said in that verse, I would probably say this. Lord, I look all around myself and I see everything that's going on. And wherever I look, I see you. Joy. Joy. His instinctive response was overwhelming praise. Reminds me of that time when David got to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. You remember that? After he'd been away for a number of years. After one time he'd already tried to bring it and had to stop. And the day finally came when he was able to bring God's Ark back to the people of God. So that they could worship God in the tabernacle of God. And you remember what it says? It says, as they entered the city, David led the crowd and he danced before the Lord with all of his might. What was that all about? That was all about joy. He could not contain himself. I'm getting to do something that God's letting me do and nobody else has been able to do it and now it's my turn. Joy. Nothing but joy. David reveals that true joy is an instinctive response to the presence of the Lord. It is what happens when you recognize you are face to face with Christ. Some of us would go back to our salvation experience and say, you know, when I came to know Jesus, it was pure joy. Some of us would say, in that time when I realized how much he cared for me, joy. And some of us would say, on that day when he transformed my life and I became somebody completely different than I've ever been before, joy. The funny thing is, and across the years, that experience of joy comes time and time and time again. And sometimes it can be something like this. Just when I needed him most, he was there. Joy. I was sitting in a hospital room with somebody I loved with all of my heart. And things were not going well. And God showed up. And his Holy Spirit filled the room joy one of the times that I will remember most of watching experiencing joy one of those times when I kind of got to stand in the corner of the room and watch was years ago when I had a wonderful church member who'd lived a long rich full life who had walked with the Lord and led her family to walk with the Lord and now it was her time to pass on and to be with the Lord in heaven and she was in a big palliative care room with her family and the doctors had said you take your time and when the time is ready you let us know and we'll let her go on and be with the Lord and that family gathered around there were probably 20 25 of them there and it was the most amazing experience y'all as I watched as family member after family member her children her grandchildren sisters all got to talk to her to say the things they wanted to say and then they just all began to sing him after him after him and in the midst of that season of loss there was a great presence of joy 
It's one of God's greatest gifts to our lives. It is a unique experience that only comes to the children of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the folks around us, they understand pleasure and they understand happiness and they understand excitement. But only joy comes in every situation and every circumstance of life. Sometimes when we experience joy, it is public. It's evident for everybody to see. There are those times when you watch as God has done something in somebody's life and they stand up and give testimony or they share the experience of what the Lord is doing or they sing out loud in a way that shows the Lord is here. Sometimes joy is a very private experience. And it's very personal between you and your Savior. And the people around you have no idea what's going on. All you know is this. The Lord is with me. And I don't want to go anywhere from here. I want to stay for as long as I can. Joy. Sometimes joy comes when you anticipate it. But often it comes when you least expect it. But you know, God has shown up. Joy comes when you are overwhelmed by the realization God is with you right here, right now. We may not go home today without somebody in this room because of something they heard or something that was sung or just God's presence showed up. Maybe you came in here and you're struggling with something, you're burdened by something, and God's going to show himself to you in such a way that you're going to know joy. And David tells us this too. He tells us that joy changes everything. Sometimes it changes your circumstances, but usually it changes you. It may be that nothing around you is different, yet everything has changed because you've experienced the joy of the Lord. I love a story about Christopher Wren. Christopher Wren was the architect who designed St. Paul's Cathedral in London about 500 years ago. Constructing that cathedral took more than 40 years. They began to build it in 1666. They didn't complete it until 1708. It was his life's greatest work. The story is told about Christopher Wren making his way to the work site one day where the cathedral was being constructed and he found three men who were sitting side by side, each one of them carving away at limestone that would become part of the cathedral that they were building. And he began to ask each one of them exactly what they were doing. And he went to the first man and he said, so what are you doing today? And he said, today I am breaking a larger stone into a smaller stone because there's a place right over there in that wall where it will fit and I'm making a stone that will fit into that wall. And he went to the second man and he asked the question, what are you doing today? And he said, I am busy about a job and the money that I make from this is going to allow me to take care of my family. I'll be able to provide food and a home 
and I can take care of them and this is a job that may last the rest of my life and I'm so glad to have this job. And then he went to the third man and he said, and what are you doing today? And he said, I am building a monument to God that will last forever. And for ages yet to come, when people come by and they see this cathedral, they will recognize how great our God is. Joy. God is doing something in me and through me that is so much bigger than I am. And lives are going to be touched and I don't even know who they are. But God is at work in me. Joy is not the result of what you do as much as it is about why you do it. Psalm 16 reminds me of Paul's declaration in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, where he says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's what joy is all about. Do it all for God's glory. Not so that you can receive attention. Not so that you can accomplish your task, but so God can be glorified through your life. Joy. And Paul also says this, and he says, and joy affects every dimension of your life. You know, we're inclined to think of joy in terms of emotions. We believe that if I feel joyful, I am joyful. But Psalm 16 reminds us that God reveals, uh, that joy reveals itself in every part of who you are. David wrote, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. In other words, he said, my life is saturated with the presence of God. And joy impacts every dimension of your life. Listen to some of the things that he said. He said, therefore, my heart is glad. Yes, joy does affect your emotional nature. Joy is something that bubbles up from within you and you feel it in a rich way and you know this is God's presence. And when you experience the emotion of joy, you also recognize this. And this is not like anything else. When I experience the presence of God, there's no other feeling like this. It's not something I can create for myself and it's not something somebody else can cause to rise up within me. It means I am in his presence and he cares for me. He loves me. Joy. But it doesn't just affect you emotionally. He says this, and my glory rejoices. Joy affects your spiritual nature. You know, it's interesting when I read that phrase the other day because I was thinking, that is an interesting way to say things. And my glory rejoices. And, it, and so I began to look at various translations of Scripture and how they handled that phrase and because it's kind of awkward. And one of them said, my whole being rejoices. And another one said, my tongue rejoices. And the third one simply said, I rejoice. And one stated, and I am happy. But here's what David literally wrote. 
my glory rejoices. I have to believe David was talking about that part of himself whose only purpose is to respond to the Lord. My glory, that's not my glory, it's the glory of God inside of me that responds to his presence. It's that part of me that enables me to glorify God. It's that part of you that sometimes when you're singing a song or a hymn, you just kind of feel overwhelmed. You know? And there's that sense that you are in the presence of God. Or sometimes you hear a word and a message and it just resonates inside of you. Or sometimes you're standing there in the midst of an invitation hymn and God just gets all over you. Joy, my glory rejoices. But David's not through. And then he also wrote this, and my flesh also will rest in hope. In other words, joy affects your very physical nature. It affects the way you are. You know, people can tell when you've been around. You remember the old story about how Moses wore the veil over his face? So that when the glory, the joy of being with God began to fade, people wouldn't notice People really do notice when the glory of God, when the joy of Christ is on you, it affects the way you carry yourself. It affects the way you deal with people. It affects the way you express yourself. It, expe uh, it re reflects itself in the sparkle in your eye and the smile on your face that says, I have been with God. Joy. Joy is... Not about how you feel. It is a transformation of who you are. Remember what Paul said. If any man be in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold all things have become new. Joy. Remember the little boy in Cinderella's castle. Her words and her touch brought unexpected joy. But what if on that day that was not all she was able to do? What if she had been able to exchange her beauty for his brokenness? What if that afternoon he had been able to walk away whole because she took on his disfigurement? Because that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and me. Would you like to hear one of the greatest reasons the Bible says you can live with joy today? Listen to these words. Listen like you've never heard them before. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes 
we are healed. Joy is experiencing the transforming touch of Jesus who takes on our affliction and gives us his holiness. And that's what he wants to do today. To exchange brokenness for wholeness. To take away sin. To replace it with mercy. To exchange lostness for everlasting life. What do you do? You receive it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to claim it. You just receive it. He did it for you. Joy. Are you here today and you don't know Jesus? Are you here and you've been trying to do this all by yourself? Maybe today is the day when you need to experience joy. The joy that comes from standing before the Lord, a sinner. And asking him to forgive you. And experiencing what it's like for him to take on your sins so that he can give you his holiness. And grant you everlasting life. Have you experienced that kind of joy? Do you need to today? In a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing an invitation hymn. It may be you feel that stirring in your heart, that stirring that says today's the day to come to know Jesus. And if you do, then I'm going to invite you to just come here to the front. I'll be here. Dr. Hutchins will be here. We would love to introduce you to the one who loves you more than anybody. And who can do what nobody else can do in your life. Or maybe you need to become a part of First Baptist because you want to plant your life here and grow in Christ here. And God's calling you to do it. Or maybe there's another decision. Maybe you just need to come and say, look, pray for me. I need to experience joy in a special way. I've been trying to carry my own burden and I need to give it to the Lord. Maybe there's a decision you need to make. We're going to stand, we're going to sing. As God speaks to you, you come. Let's stand together.
been a good day in God's house. I'm glad we got to share this time together. Let me encourage you to be back tonight at 5 as we continue our walk through Romans. We're going to begin a journey on walking by faith. This will be a great time to come be a part of what we're doing on Sunday evenings at 5. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I couldn't help but think this morning when you were doing that children's message, Rich, about those Sundays in the past when Dr. Hopkins from time to time would say, okay, everybody reach across the aisle and hold hands and we're going to sing together. And I thought, yeah, the whole church is going to want to do that today so we can just see how far that thing will go. But maybe we won't. Be an interesting experiment. Let's bow together for prayer and then we'll be dismissed with our final song. Father, we do pray. Thanking you for the joy that we have because of Christ. Recognizing, Lord, it doesn't have anything to do with what we've earned or what we deserve or what we claim for ourselves. It has everything to do with the love and the grace that always comes from Jesus. So help us, Lord, to walk in joy and touch others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.